Brad Greenhill wears a Detroit Tigers baseball cap pulled snugly over his head. His dark brown beard has flecks of gray. It's been a stressful but successful time for the chef and for his restaurant. I'm usually here from 9 a.m. till midnight, five, five days a week, sometimes six. Brad never studied in culinary school. He cooked in some well-regarded restaurants. But by the time he started to make Thai food, he was mostly cooking for himself and for his friends. Before you know it, if you're looking into some Thai recipe, if you go down the rabbit hole, next thing you know, you're on some website that's in Thai and you're like trying to translate it and, and you know, and you, you can learn a lot. Greenhill became so enamored with Thai food, he began cooking and selling it out of a truck in front of a distillery in Detroit. He had no idea what controversy lay ahead. I'm Roger Weber. You're listening to Mismatch, stories of the incompatible, the unsuitable, and the out of step. Today, what happens when you claim a word that's not yours? When you create a beloved brand that then proceeds to bite you in the behind? Distilleries, food trucks, and new restaurants. Elements of what some people might call the new Detroit, the rising rent Detroit, the revitalizing Detroit, the it's the new Brooklyn Detroit. Brad Greenhill and his partner Courtney Henriette are at the center of that scene. It started with their Thai-inspired food truck in 2014. Like we did like a roasted carrot dish with like coconut yogurt, some tum thai, uh, green papaya salad, fried chicken. One early Yelp review said this, delicious Thai food, the best I've had outside of Asia and NYC. We're not in any way claiming to be authentic or traditional or, you know, using grandmother's recipes. Riding on the success of the food truck and a series of pop-ups, Katoy opened a brick-and-mortar restaurant inside a former car repair garage. At night, the space feels more like a dance club than a restaurant, and usually it's packed. The wait's probably going to be about an hour. In its first year of operation, the Detroit Free Press hailed Katoy as the best new restaurant in Detroit. On top of that, a James Beard nomination for Best New Restaurant in the Country. But then, at the height of their popularity, Brad and Courtney started getting complaints about the name of their restaurant. Katoy is a Thai word for a transgender woman or an effeminate gay man. The rough English translation, ladyboy. You know, someone who, like, considers themselves fairly progressive, it's weird when you find yourself in, in that crossfire when you never intended to even be in that crossfire you know I'm just a guy who's trying to cook food <laughs> but as writer Dakota Kim said recently food is politics food is culture and it shouldn't be looked at in a vacuum more than anything it, it just we like the way that it sounded you know even at the time we we're like well this might be controversial at some point Will some people react to this badly, you know, uh, even if we are completely well-intended with it? And we thought about it a little bit, and then we're like, I think it's a, a good move to make. Um, and so we, we went, you know, with, with the name Katoy. 
In case you were wondering, Greenhill and his co-owners, they are not Thai, nor are they transgender. They say they just like the spirit of the word. Our, our whole thing was like about self-expression, being who you want to be and identifying how you want to identify and celebrating that with, with what everything we do. In our household, it was always used in a very derogatory manner. And I'm quite surprised that my parents would, would use it, but you know, they come from a very different generation. Uh, my name is Jolie Inthavong. I am an artist from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. FYI, Windsor is just across the river from Detroit. A lot of Windsorites identify our region as Windsor, Detroit. It's not just like Windsor. As a Windsorite who loves good food, Jolie was used to trying out every new hip restaurant in Detroit. A lot of people were eating there. A lot of people were going. A lot of people were posting photos. And they were telling me, hey, there's this place that's Thai and it's sort of fusion. I think you'd really like it. I was like, oh, this could be cool. And then I saw the name. When Inthavong first heard the restaurant was called Katoy, she thought it was some kind of mistake. And then I looked into it and discovered that, no, it is it was per very purposefully named Katoy, and then that enraged me. <laughs> I understand the owners of the restaurant and why they named it the way the name that they named it, and I see their side, but you can't take back a word that's n that was never yours. I agree with things like inclusivity and uh, non-heteronormative atmospheres, but just don't name it Katoy. Like, just don't name it that. I wouldn't, like, as an Asian Canadian, I would not open a restaurant here and call it faggot. Like, I, why would, that's, that's the equivalent to me. It just shouldn't happen. Learning about the restaurant was especially hard for Jolie because, in fact, her uncle is a Katoy. He is not trans. He is a male who cross-dresses. So there's a lot of kind of layers with that word. Jolie says her uncle, when he was living in Thailand, supported himself as a cross-dressing prostitute. In the 90s, he moved to Canada and now lives in Toronto. I feel like if I told my uncle about this, it would make him angry. And I still haven't yet. I, I, uh. She did tell her mom, though. She knows what her brother went through, uh, the abuse, the rape in Thailand, and what it took for them to come to Canada. She just couldn't believe white people would name a, a restaurant that, that uh, white people would name a restaurant Kitai. Just, she said, could they just call it white, just call it anything else? You could serve the food of our people until you're blue in the face, just don't call it that. Jolie Inthavong never complained about the name to Brad or Courtney. She simply didn't eat at the restaurant. But then they started getting a trickle of complaints. I think the first complaint about the name came up um, in maybe November or November or December of yeah. 2016. So it was about six or seven months after the opening of the brick and mortar. Greenhill says he doesn't think they lost much business because of the name. But a group of people began to take it upon themselves to confront the restaurant tours, to tell them, your business name, it's offensive. It's offensive to me. It's incredibly offensive because of the history of the word, because it's, it's owned by two white cis people who don't have any 
any right or any authority to any of that culture, um, but are taking it and not only taking it, but claiming it as theirs, rebranding it, um, redefining it, and then profiting off of it. I'm Aiko Fukuchi. I use they, them pronouns. I have lived in Detroit for three years now, and I've been involved with Day Project for the past year. That's Detroit Asian Youth Project, a group of Asian Americans involved in community service and activism. My name is Hongui Suk, and I've been a part of Day Project. I started when my daughter was uh, one of the coordinators back in, what, 2011, 2012. Hongui Suk wrote an email to Katoy not long after learning the meaning of the word, and that began a series of back and forths between her and the Katoy staff. Where, uh, you know, that we said that, you know, we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk with other people and see kind of uh, what the consensus is. You know, would you be interested in, in getting together and, uh, and talking with us, you know. There's a way in which, like, as Asian folks in Detroit, we're like, no, it's not our job to educate you. You know, you need to research this on your own. You know, we had our own dialogue. We did our own sort of back research, contacted a lot of people we knew from Thailand, you know, to get more information on the whole thing. Well, our research yielded that it, it, that it wasn't problematic, you know, that it could... It, it, it could be construed that way, but, you know, what can't be construed in, a, in an offensive way, you know, if, depending on how it's presented. Katoy co-founder Courtney Henriette. It's not necessarily like black and white. There is a lot of um, different feelings over right. this word. It's not like it's just like a straight slur. Again, what I'm learning is that there are real issues that Katoy right. face, and that's a sig significant thing, but I think it's it's... Someone mentioned that if we were anywhere else, we couldn't get away with this. But I should state that at our very beginning, we had a billboard campaign in New York City all over that said Katoy. We didn't hear any. A few months passed and not and much changed. Katoy was still Katoy. And so one night, Hongui Suk and a handful of Detroit Asian Youth Project members decided to take their concerns to the next level. They visited the restaurant with no intention of eating. 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night when we knew that they would be there. And uh, we went up to the reception desk. We asked to talk to the owner. She's referring to Courtney Henriette. They were upset. And of course, anytime anyone has something with us, I mean, all of us, we were sort of on the same page here that our response is, sit down. We really want to hear what you have to say. Please come in. Let us feed you. And their response was, no, we have a simple demand. Change the name. So it blindsided us. We got a little defensive but it did get Brad and Courtney thinking and talking. Not long after that, Brad took a few weeks off work to travel to Thailand. He'd actually never been there before. It was, it was amazing. It was one of, uh, I think, one of the greatest uh, travel experiences I've, I've had. Um, and uh, the, the culture, the people, everything, uh, it's incredibly beautiful. While in Thailand, Greenhill found out that Katoy had been nominated for that prestigious James Beard Award. He was riding high. And then a few days after that. Katoy was one of Corktown's young stars, a popular restaurant destroyed in minutes. And I turned my phone on, and all of a sudden, all these text messages started pouring in, like, oh my god, are you OK? I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But investigators say this is not an accident. They believe someone broke in to steal liquor and then set a fire to cover it up. 
The fire had nothing to do with the controversy over the restaurant's name. Arson investigators chalk it up to petty theft. The whole thing was blackened and like all of the plastic had melted and it was just like crazy. As they were putting the pieces of their restaurant back together, the name conversations continued internally. Coming up, Katoy rebuilds and maybe rebrands. It took six months to rebuild Katoy after the fire. And then a friend of Courtney's sat her down and said, you know what? Your intention obviously was not malice. I really enjoy what you do. I enjoy the culture you've created. But for some particular people, hearing this word is, is, um, is really biting. It's, it's hard to hear. And that was the moment for us that we thought the changed name could have been real. You go through a fire, you lose your business, and, and you don't want to have anything fail again. And so we started having a dialogue about, about changing it, and, which is tough because when you've been operating under something for three plus years, and that's what you're known of, it's hard to sort of change your brand. And then, right around the time they were debating the name change, the criticism started to snowball, thanks in large part to an article published in the Metro Times, one of Detroit's alt-weekly newspapers. Um, Tom Perkins, food writer slash dining editor for the uh, Metro Times. His piece was entitled, Why Katoy is an Offensive Restaurant Name and Should Be Changed. Uh, you know, like I said in the story, it's a pretty egregious example of cultural appropriation. And there were people who were offended by it, and there were people who were asking them to change the name, and they were refusing to do so. And, you know, at that point, it's like, okay, if people are coming to you and saying, this name is offending me, and you're just brushing them off, that's, you know, that's not a, a cool way to operate, to, to put it in gentle terms. Things came to a head with the Metro Times article, and at that point, we were just like, all right, it's probably just best that we address the situation and change the name. It was a teardown article, and it became urgent at that point because if we didn't change the name, the conversation was suddenly, you know, people who I care about, and we have a lot of people who've been with us now for three years, guests were calling me up and suddenly they were like, I'm on your side, don't change the name. And suddenly with that article, there became sides. It was either us or them. If we don't do something, we're suddenly creating this divide. And so they changed the name. What's the new name of the restaurant and why? Uh, to Koi, we started rearranging the letters, you know, like Scrabble. And so what we found in the Urban Dictionary was to Koi is the awkward situation two people find themselves in when they attempt to pass each other uh, in the street or in the hallway and they accidentally like do that little dance. Um, and so that's, that's uh, to Koi. It's like making the most of an awkward situation, kind of. To some people, this is a story about a disagreement over language and political correctness. But to Aiko Fukuchi and Hongui Suk, it's more than that. So even though Katoi is now Takoi, they still think the owners haven't done enough. And in their view, the mere fact that they serve Thai food is an act of cultural appropriation. In other words, white people profiting off someone else's culture. You would have had a big issue with this restaurant, whether they were called Katoy or anything. Yes. Yes, I would have. And I have a problem with 
all white-owned restaurants that are serving food that they claim to be Thai, that they claim to be Japanese, that they claim to be anything else that is from cultures that are, are not white. When there's appropriation of culture like this, I always wonder, well, what's missing for them? Why are they compelled to uh, take this cuisine from, from uh, Southeast Asia that they have no connection to and they haven't been to? And, you know, what's in it for them? Like, why, why aren't they looking at their own history and culture and legacy? What I have to say to that is that I treat cooking Thai food like I would cooking Italian food or French food or Latin food or, or any of the cuisines of the world that like it's something that speaks to me and I try and honor it and, and, and do my best with it. You know, it, it, when you get into this who should be doing and not doing what, I think, I think it's a slippery slope. Depending on who you are and where you come from, you might think Aiko and Guisuk are taking offense too easily. But for both of them, the whole Katoi Takoi story brings up emotional pain from childhood. I was made fun of so much in Japanese for the Japanese bento boxes my dad would make me when I was a kid. You know, and now all of a sudden, Japanese food is super popular and everyone wants to eat sushi. And that's because white people have popularized it. When it's people of color who are cooking their own food, then it's, it's disgusting so much of the time. You know, I mean, it makes me want to cry now. Growing up in white suburbs and learning to be ashamed, you know, of what my mother and grandmother served. My mother made dinner every night. She made a traditional Korean dinner every night. And I just wanted to eat pizza. <laughs> but now I so appreciate what she was bringing and what she, the love that she was putting into um, feeding her family. But the, the resonance for me as a teenager, as a child, was shame and embarrassment because people would always comment on, on the smells. And, and so then now for, for somebody to just say, oh, wow, we can cook whatever we want and it's going to taste great. And, and, and then all these white folks saying, oh, it's so great. The food is so good. <laughs> it's not a casual thought. It's, 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 a, it's a deeply felt, deeply analyzed um, revelation to myself. Guisuk acknowledges that Brad and Courtney are probably not acting with malicious intent. I'm sure that in their hearts, you know, they, they um, want to be supportive. But how to enact that, how to embody that, that's a whole other level. Everybody says, oh, I'm not racist. Oh, I'm not sexist. But it's in our behavior. And, and it's a whole other level to really live it out. The Takoi Katoi incident is just one of many food, race, and cultural appropriation debates taking place around the country. A restaurant in New York City changed its name after learning it was associated with a 19th century phrenologist. In Portland, Oregon, two white women closed their burrito cart following media reports about how the women developed their menu. They said they had picked, quote, the brains of every tortilla lady in one Mexican town. So the question was, did those women in Mexico get anything in return for their recipes and their hard-won wisdom? The issue spawned a list of 60 restaurants in Oregon accused by their critics of being white appropriative. 
I guess it is encouraging to recognize that we do have the power to bring up these points and to get people thinking. Because of social media and the media at large, there's so much dividing people up into little subsects, you know, and, and who they are and what they identify as, rather than like, no, we're, you know, whereas I'm someone who's always looked at everything as, no, you know, we're all kind of one. Here's Aiko Fukuchi. Takoi is this restaurant that is very successful by some people's definitions of success, but there are a lot of Thai restaurants owned by Thai people in the area that are not doing so well. So it's something to pay attention to. Where are you eating? Who are you supporting? Um, that's a huge takeaway that folks, I hope, listen to and reflect on. If the restaurant formerly known as Katoy teaches us anything, it's that the mix of food, politics, and identity is tough to untangle. And you never know, as you enjoy your favorite restaurant dish, what stories might be behind it. Meanwhile, customers still wait for available tables at Takoy. But Ico, Wisuk, Jolie, and other like-minded people feel they have good reason not to join them. Thanks for listening. On our next episode, Henry Ford's audacious and disastrous South American dream. Part of the arrogance and part of the confidence was that Ford was going to bring not just industrial production, but a kind of modern way of living and consuming and being that was completely mismatched to the reality on the ground. Mismatch is a production of Graham Media Group with WDIV Local 4 in Detroit. It's produced by Zach Rosen and written and narrated by me, Roger Weber. You can find us at mismatchpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mismatch Podcast. If you've been enjoying our show, please let your friends know about Mismatch and consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.